It's so good to be with you today and get back in the Word of God here in a minute. But um, before I do, I want to talk to you about uh, uh, two of our community groups. I hope you'll sign up for community groups, and two of them in particular. And uh, one is Alpha. If you feel the need to either create a better foundation for your faith and you need some answers and you know you really don't know how to articulate uh, things you really believe, or if you don't believe, and you, I'd like to explore belief. I don't know if I believe any of this is true. If, if you're here today and you're a big doubter and you don't believe, you're not sure any of this is true, I really appreciate you being here today. In fact, your being here means so much to me that you would come out exploring faith and wondering if it's true. That's just, you're to be commended. You are indeed a humble, wonderful person that you would come out and explore. And Alpha is a good next step for you. Go, go and find out what's true. And then make your own decision if you hear the, hear the uh, information that's there. Or, or if you just, you know, I believe, I've been a Christian a long time, but I don't really know how to articulate it to somebody else. So I, uh, Alpha would be great for you. The other thing is, Christy, is Dan here? Dan, come on up here. I want to, uh, I want to introduce you to Dan and Christy. Uh, <laughs> And we're, we're talking about um, the family that prays is what this series is called. And you might have expected it was going to be a lot about how to have a family prayer time every week. But that's not what this series is really talking about, though that's important. And we're giving you some tools. That's when we're giving you that journal. We're giving you some tools so you can have the family prayer time every week or every night, whatever you choose. Uh, but the engine of prayer is faith. So what we're trying to establish in this series is household faith. We're trying to plant faith in the center of all the families of our church and those of you attending. And uh, now I understand there's two areas of, that I want to be really sensitive. I want to be sensitive to those of you who do not, you're a, you're a young person and your family is not a Christian. Your, your parents uh, are not raising you to believe in God. Maybe they're not even being good parents from a human perspective. And I just want to really be sensitive that I want you to let you know that God has a plan for you. And, 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 and there are many, many examples of young people and people becoming incredible servants of God, incredible even preachers, missionaries, and just great people who come out of families that don't support their faith. And I can tell you many, many, many stories, my own mother's salvation. It's got to start somewhere, right? It's got to start somewhere, so it's with you. So the, 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 the other thing is you have someone who've raised your children and you didn't raise them to be Christians. And you might be, feel this huge guilt trip. I'm making you feel guilty. Oh boy, I didn't, I didn't raise my, I didn't bring my kids to church. I didn't, I didn't have a Christian home. Listen, uh, uh, you're, you're, you have an incredible opportunity. You have an incredible opportunity right now to acknowledge before God that you agree with God, even though you didn't do it, you still agree with God. And there's something powerful that God can do when you get an agreement with, with him. The Bible even says this, this is a little promise to Israel. I will restore the years the locust and canker worm have eaten. God has no limitations. So if, you're, if your children are 30 and 40 years of age, but you're just really coming to faith, just start, just start from there. God, you can get there from here no matter where you are today. So this series is not designed to condemn you. We still need to preach what is God's normative pattern. Normative pattern. We need to preach, what it, we have to preach what is God's normative pattern. I mean, we believe in gravity, even though sometimes 
a strong wind will come up and blow somebody uh, away and defy gravity. We still believe gravity is still the normative pattern. The normative pattern is your feet are going to stay on the ground. So today we're going to preach God's normative pattern. What I want you to do, I want you to come into agreement with God. I'm not even I'm not even asking you to focus on how you're going to do it, how you're going to apply it. And we'll do that later. That application is important. I want you to focus on I'm going to get an agreement with God. Even if I don't know how I'm going to do it, even if I don't understand it, I'm going to get into agreement with God. And through God, through the help of the church, we're going to figure out in the year, days to come, years to come, how to do it. Well, we have um, a, a special community group led by Christy and Dan on Wednesday night here. So I want to bring them up. And I'm also going to do a little interview here with Christy, and, and Dan's going to be part of it too, uh, to follow up. But they are leading a community group. It's called Talk Now and Later. I will read to you the promo. It provides insight and answers to the question about how to influence our children for Christ. We're reminded in this study we, we're not parenting alone. We can rely on God's wisdom. The Talk Now and Later inspires and equips you to guide your kids through the tough topics addressed in six sessions Introduction to God, money and sex, death and tragedy, friendship and bullying, divorce and forgiveness, self-image, and making wise choices. Would you guys like to give a personal invitation to everybody who's looking for a group to help them with their family? Yeah, we are, um, first of all, we're humbled to be leading a group like that because our kids are nine, seven, and three, so we're still in the throes of figuring it out ourselves and by no means do we have a finished product to stand behind but we're committed as um, a couple and as a family to serving the Lord and also to submitting our home and our family to our church um, and we that's kind of what we want to invite you to is that come and let's learn together let's study this together and let's look at God's word for some principles that we can pull out and really apply in our homes and help each other to apply um Great. Would you guys kind of move up here to this table with me? Because I want to, uh, I want you to know, uh, my family's we're real people, and we go through the same kind of struggles that every other family. So I want to, I want to revisit um, a part of our lives, especially with Christy and I. And Dan, you can chime in if you want, because you were a part of that. You were part of the drama too back in those days. But uh, I know, as sweet as she looks and as sweet as I look. You would never think that we used to really battle. But she and I used to really battle. And um, I, you know, it was just about different things, but just, just things. We would start in a conversation, and I would start trying to correct or whatever. It would never end well. It was just always in, end with, I didn't love her, and, and just, 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 just ugly. I remember one day, I don't remember what the issue was, but I remember... I sat down in, in the floor in her room, and I, I, I think you were towering over me. I don't remember. <laughs> That's you how get I got myself in trouble even just during this time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we were sitting, I sat on the floor, and we just like, it, we were at an impasse. And I looked at her, and, and I said something like this I said, You know what? I will go to see a counselor with you. Okay, I will go. And then I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking we're going to go, and this counselor is going to straighten her out. That's what I thought. And we went to, some of you might remember Jackie Rosenberger, wonderful counselor uh, in Framingham who's since moved away. But um, 
we went to see Jackie, and Jackie really disappointed me because <laughs> she did not back me up on hardly anything. <laughs> she corrected me uh, many key areas of where my parenting was not uh, was not like as it should have been. Uh, I, I remember one particular time that I, I uh, Christy had borrowed my phone, and uh, I. I I didn't get my phone back when I wanted, and I was getting ticked, and I called at my own phone, and uh, uh, she never listened to it, the message. I don't know his password to check his voicemail, so he left me a voicemail on his own phone, yeah. but of course I can't check his voicemail. <laughs> so, so I remember getting my phone back and hearing my voicemail, and man, I sounded like a homicidal maniac. <laughs> I sounded like a very angry man. <laughs> no, wonder, no wonder we're not, it's not working real well. Uh, but one of the keys, now today's message is about three things, and we're only going to, we're going to spend much time at all on the last two, even though they're equally important. And those three things are, uh, those three things we're going to see it in our text, we're going to read in a moment. Those three things really, to, to put it in a nutshell, it's the authority of the church, the authority of the parents, and the authority of the child. It's learning to balance those three things are God's normative pattern for having families that have faith and families where the children learn their destiny. And so we had, uh, we, we were part of this church, of course, even though we're the pastors, we're still, we're attenders as well. And uh, Christy, you had a relationship with many people here, many adults here, and I, but especially uh, with Susan Pfeffer over here. And during those days when we were battling, and, and you were battling sometimes with both your mother and I, and you were going through figuring out who you were going to be and all of that, and your relationship with God, uh, how important was it to be able to go talk to Susan, even if it was about us? Yeah, I, I do want to say, though, I think he's made it sound like we had this horrible, just battling relationship. I don't, I don't personally think that's necessarily no, true. No, no, I didn't mean that. But I think we, um, we're a normal family. We have stuff comes up, and your parents have a fight, and I, you know. And uh, I was also personally in a position of having my parents be the pastors, and so there, it just adds a different dynamic to things. Um, but I want to release you today. My parents were not perfect. They're still not perfect. And I was very much aware of that, but they really did a great job of of lifting up certain people in my life, like a person like Susan Pfeffer and like my youth group that I was to go to my youth group and go to when I was a kid to my children's church and Tina Hamill was a part of my life and um, that I was supposed to go and pursue my own personal relationship with the Lord and that I couldn't measure who God was against necessarily their failures or their flaws or whatever. And I was able to have a great relationship with Mrs. Pfeffer, and she was a, a very key person in my life who, um, I want to make it very clear, I could speak to her about things that I had going on with my parents, irritations that I had, but she was a person I could rely on to always bring me back to God's word, to always say, okay, I hear you. I'm not saying that's not real, or I'm not saying that you don't really feel that way, but let's look at what God has to say about that, and let's look at how he would want you to respond to that. And, you know, I do, I would guess sometimes she probably helped my parents to see my perspective a little bit too, um, but the fact that they gave me that space to have that relationship, and they supported it, and they found a person who 
um, her life matched what they wanted my life to look like um, made a humongous difference in my life. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that people realize when, that you're, when you're the pastor that you depend on the church in the same way they hopefully do. You depend on the people uh, to the church to help you raise your children. I mean, I know Hillary said it takes a village. I think it takes a church to raise kids. Um, the, the, the second thing that I wanted to bring up is w- when you uh, were around 18, you went away to a, a church, Rockford First Assembly, and their Master's Commission program. And how important was that program to you getting your life's direction set and working things out and working your relationship with God and getting it on track. I think what some of the, one of the things that my dad said last week in his message about how uh, that he and my mom made a determination really early in their it, at the very beginning when they got married that the number one most important thing was that their kids would love and serve God and they made that very clear to me my entire life that we don't you know, we don't really care what career you have as long as, you know, you work hard. And we don't really care, you know, how, what your life looks like if you live in a big house, a small house. But we want you to serve God and we want you to pursue what the Lord's purposes are for your life. So when I decided I didn't want to, you know, go to a college right away after school, there was no, I never heard one ounce of, well, what about your future? And what about paying bills? And there was never that. It was, okay, we support you. We want you to find God's purpose for your life. And as an 18-year-old, I had been raised my entire life in church and in this church, you know, besides the first couple years of my life was here. So to go to another place and the foundation that my parents had built um, that was their foundation, but they gave it to me to stand on, I was able to take that nine months of my life and really allow God to make that my foundation. But it was all there because they had instilled it in me every day and had put me around the right people and had shown me that when they mess up, we are humble and we apologize and that we continue to turn to the Lord. And that that is, that's our number one foundation is our relationship with God, despite the fact that we're still humans. And that year, I really was able to make my faith my own and, and make those um, that decision to serve God really was my decision. And even if they decided they didn't want to serve God anymore, then I would pray for them, you know? <laughs> uh, finally, my last question is, um, for both of you, is um, what are you and Dan trying to see happen in your children's lives? And how does the church figure into that? How are we helping? Um, the church is... The church, the school, the entire, you know, organization. Um, it's, yeah, it's just an absolute blessing for us to be here. Um, and like you said, it's, it takes a, a team. It takes a village. I mean, of course, we all want the absolute best for our kids. But I think the, the greatest thing about a church is it helps you with that day-to-day process um, of building your kids up to who, they, who you want them to be. Um, we all have <clears throat> the dream, you know, Eden wants to be a doctor, and, uh, you know, we all have the dream, we want our kids to be a doctor or a pastor, or, you know, just serve the Lord, do amazing things. But um, the, the reason that I'm so thankful, you know, for this church and for this school is just that, that daily, weekly, monthly um, process that we all can be a part of. And you're not 
on your own on an island trying to do it by yourself? I would say I think yeah, my dream for my kids is the same as my parents was. I want my, There's nothing in the world that's more important to me than that my kids would grow up and know the love of God for themselves, and they would love him, and the choices that they make would be rooted only in that. Um, that's my number one desire, and I think to walk that out on a day-to-day basis is so complicated, <laughs> and so many things come in the way, and the world has just lots going on. And so to be rooted in a church and in a community really helps you, like he said, to navigate, well, how do we get there? You know, we want that. Um, How do we not get in the way of it? How do we not prevent it? And I think walking side by side with um, really wonderful people here at Bethany and in, in an intimate way and in a way that we are, have to be open to hear, hey, like what, you know, why would you, not that we've done this, but we would have to be open. If we signed up one of our kids to play a sport during Sunday morning church, we'd have to hear from, there's people in our life that would call us and would say, hey, your ki- how is your kid not going to be in King's Kids? What are you going to do? Or BCC Kids. That would happen. And so we know that. And so it helps you to make certain choices um, in a way that are really best for your kids. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. Hey, if you had those uh, pictures of BCC kids back there, put them on the wall. I want to show you what they're doing up there right now because we are so excited. Uh, This is what the set looks like. Show that other one, please. This is what the set looks like for today's lesson on Cornelius in the book of Acts. I'm so excited. You just give these guys a little encouragement and they go crazy, don't they? It's incredible. Tell them when you see them how grateful you are for all the hard work they did to make that happen for your kids. Okay? So today, this sermon is about bringing the force of God's design, God's desire, and God's joy into the middle of the life of your family. It's the goal of us who want to have a family that prays. We want our family to spread God's good news to the world around us. We want them to, we want to increase the chances that our kids will have a great life and we're not going to talk a lot about that this morning, but we really do. It's, it's not just all about being religious and having faith. It's also about being well-adjusted human beings. So we want them to have a really, a really great life, and we want to all meet up in the next reality together. We don't want the circle to be unbroken. Powerful parents' legacy and children's divine destiny is accomplished by these things that I talked about. Harmonious connection between parental authority, church authority, and that child's boundless individuality, and and that child's boundless, properly channeled curiosity. Now, like I said, the last two, the authority of the parent and developing that child. I I think the title of this sermon today is uh, Submitting Strength and Space. Submitting strength and space, that's what we're calling it. And I'm not going to spend much time on strength and space, but they're, they're really important, and that is to be, be strong. We're going to see it in the life of probably where you didn't think about it being, in the life of, of a family we're going to read about in just a moment. Everything I've said is containing a story found in the Gospels involving the parents of, guess who? Jesus. Jesus himself and the elders at the temple. That Jewish temple represents the agency through which God imparts his call, his destiny, his future on humanity. 
It's been replaced in the New Covenant or the New Testament by something called the church, where you were sitting right at this moment. Let's read it in Luke chapter 2. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Every year, circle that, every year. Every year his parents went to circle Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom after the feast was over. While his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. You, you go someplace, your kids might just fall in love with the church. They might just fall in love with it. That's what happened to Jesus. But they were unaware of it, thinking he was in their company. They traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? A little smart mouth there, right? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. The principle that will create a powerful praying family is what I call the cord of three strands principle, found in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, four verse 12. Although one may be empowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You've all probably heard the illustration of a three-legged stool. A two-legged stool is a pretty unstable situation. It's pretty unstable, right? A parent and their child, there's not enough stability. So God has planted a third leg for you to connect with, and it's called the church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It's the local church. The three practices that these parents of Jesus Christ demonstrate for us is they knew, one, how to be submissive and trusting of the church, how to be strong in their own parenting, no matter how spiritual young Jesus was, no matter how powerful the church was, they said, you're coming home with us. Don't miss that, okay? You're coming home with us, and you're going to be obedient to us. And the third thing is they knew how to give Jesus space. Notice where Mary and Joseph got quiet. There were things that were going on in their kid's life they didn't understand, and they shut up about it, and they got quiet, and Mary just treasured in her heart. We're not going to have time to explore that today, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other thing of giving your kid the space to be the person that God ordained them to be. Train up a child in the way they should go, the Bible says. God, let me say this today. God, I believe, strategically chose Jesus' parents. He chose the kind of people that would model for us the kind of people that we want to become. Jesus' parents, Jesus' parents, knew when to submit. I said Jesus' parents knew 
when to submit. I remember uh, I, I talked about Christy. I've talked about Elise. I got to talk. I got to throw Jay under the bus a little bit too. When uh, when Jay was a little boy, um, we had a camping program here called Royal Rangers. Scott Pfeffer was part of that, and uh, every Friday, Royal Rangers was every Friday night, and this is where boys learned how to tie knots and build campfires and these sort of things. And, and the, the kind of the modern uh, young person uh, is not really that interested anymore in those kind of activities. So I put Jay in the program, and every Friday morning we would have the same conversation. His eyes would open. This is no joke. His eyes would open. Dad, do I have to go to Royal Rangers tonight? Every Friday morning. And I would say, yes. We're part of the team. You're going to go. I don't know. I made it, I maybe I didn't say exactly those words, but I said, yeah, you're going to go. We're part of the church. You're going to go. Now, we didn't have to go. My, my kids have not gone to every single program in, that the church offers today because we offer a lot of programs. So, yeah. But I decided, as it's his earthly authority, that he was going to go to Royal Rangers. And I knew there were some legitimate reasons that he wasn't excited about Royal Rangers. But every Friday, I would make him go. And I'll never forget, and really, I'm not trying to promote or push a, a, a doctrine of, pray, of, of having a, uh, got to have a prayer language, even though I think it's a great idea. Because like, I said something last Sunday, I'm going to say something right now about this whole prayer language that Apostle Paul referred to in 1 Corinthians 14 called speaking in other tongues. And you see it in the book of Acts chapter 2. Well, every year, the Royal Rangers would do something called powwow. Now, to fast forward a few years to show you how much Jason hated powwow. When, when he was 12, he, unknown to me, he was praying that he would not have to go to powwow again. Because this a powwow is where all the Royal Rangers gather together and have a huge camp out last all weekend. Huh? <laughs> And a bit, a, a prayer and, and, and all of this would happen in church. And so uh, uh, this, this, I'm fast forwarding, okay? I'm going to take you back to the illustration. But I'm going to fast forward. He, when he's 12, he's praying that he wouldn't have to go. And it's all time for him to go. It's like the morning he's supposed to go that afternoon. We get the phone call that my mother, his grandmother, whom he loved, had passed away. And he, later we learn that he was sure that his prayer was responsible for her going on to be with Jesus. <laughs> but he was still grateful that grandma left him enough to go to heaven, to get him to go out of heaven, to go to powwow. But let's go back. And I'm talking about this partnership, this beautiful partnership that me and my kids have had with the Church of Jesus Christ. Church of Jesus Christ that's not perfect, has flaws, that sometimes leadership that's just, you know, not the best leadership or not making the best decisions. But I remember one day, even though he didn't want to go to powwow and he didn't like going to Royal Rangers, I remember one day I picked him up from powwow. And Jason was always, he still liked it. He's still a very passionate person. He's just 
You know, I remember, I remember us going to Six Flags when he was four or five. I think he was four years old. Him running across the bridge to Six Flags ahead of all of us going, let's go do some damage. <laughs> that was, Jay pursues, whether it's food or music, he pursues it with passion. And he comes back from Royal Rangers, gets him powwow that other year. He gets in my car. He said, Dad, I spoke in tongues more than anybody. <laughs> and, I, and I was going to say, well, you shouldn't be, son, you shouldn't be, that, uh, you shouldn't be bragging about that. Then I thought of the words of Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. I said, <laughs> God used Royal Rangers to help my son to know God and to love God. He used a program that had flaws, a program eventually we discontinued that program at this church. But because I made him go. Notice what Jesus would say about the house of God many years later. His parents didn't just take him once a year, by the way. And we know from this, from another scripture, I'll read them in a later. Look, look at what Jesus said in Mark 11. And he taught them, it is, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. He, he wasn't talking about his house in Nazareth. He was talking about the temple. He had a relationship with the house of God because his parents had a relationship with the house of God. I'm determined to raise my kids to be for the church. Now, you might say, of course you say that because you're a pastor. I'm not pro-church because I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor because I'm pro-church. That's how it works. Notice with me that Jesus Christ went back to God's house 20 years after announcing the discovery of his destiny when he was 12 uh, I mean, when he, when he announced his relationship with the Father, I meant to say when he was 12, he went back 20 years later at the house of the Lord to announce the discovery of his destiny to launch his earthly but divine vocation. Look at Luke 4. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, notice this line, as was his custom. Where do you suppose it became his custom? It was his parents' custom. So it became his custom. And he stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendants and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. The church, the house of the Lord, is where Jesus, young Jesus, discovered his calling, his divine destiny to use biblical terminology in church language it was at the house of the Lord that he discovered his anointing. His anointing, so important. The church can't replace the home. The home is where our children are formed for most of life, but the church is where children almost always discover their divine destiny. It's almost always the place that they discover their holy vocation. If you interviewed 10,000 
pastors, missionaries, full-time vocational ministers, probably 90% or more would say, I discovered my calling at a church service, a retreat, a youth camp, a conference. I heard the call of God when I was with the people of God. God has given apostles, prophets, teachers, and evangelists to equip the saints for ministry. So if you don't put your kids in environments where those church officers are speaking into their lives and you don't insist they honor those people, you know, I, I, it, we know, if you, if you read the Gospels, you know that there were problems with the leaders down at the temple. You know they were not perfect. Jesus later, as an adult, would speak to, he would speak truth to power. But I will promise you that, that um, Mary and Joseph weren't bad-mouthing the temple elders all the way to temple. I will promise you that Jesus went in there with a respect for them because he had been taught to have a respect for them, and it paid huge dividends. Listen, Jesus was the Son of God. His mother was the Blessed Mother. I understand that. But God did not bypass the natural order of things to leapfrog over human authority to redeem the world through his Son. That should say something to us. Though he were a son, he learned trusting obedience, the Bible says, by what he suffered, just as we do. Now, I understand that that scripture is about him dying on the cross and all that, but that just lets me know that Jesus didn't skip over any process, human processes, even the process of being born from a woman's womb. The formation of Jesus didn't ignore it. Luke made sure we knew that the incident in the temple didn't end with Jesus going off and being an adolescent guru or a child evangelist. <laughs> he went to Nazareth and submitted to his parents. God made Jesus honor the natural processes that we have to. And this isn't just a nice little story like Hansel and Gretel and Three Bears and Snow White, Seven Dwarfs, or the more contemporary Frozen Every year, the Bible says, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. Read Luke 4, 16 for yourself and ask yourself, when did Jesus develop the church habit? Verse 16, on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue. God was his custom. God put the story of Jesus being taken to the Passover, going home and being submissive to his parents and being given space to develop his own individual identity and vocation to let us know it's his normative pattern. Now, when we parents try to skip the authority of the church, we're skipping a layer of authority that God uses to strengthen the authority of the parent. Do you understand that? God's, God gives you the authority of the church to strengthen your authority. We're not here to undermine you as a parent. We're here to support you. We're here to, we're, we're here to back you up. We're, we want to send your kid home from youth group more obedient to you than when they came to youth group. We want to send them more. But, but you and I, youth leader, we, we got to get on the same page. We, we were... Uh, a little naive about this years ago and we first started really trying to do youth ministry and establish a school and we just assumed that parents wanted to partner with us. We would assume that. We would assume that if we heard uh, information that their 13 year old was sleeping around with their sleeping with their boyfriend or doing drugs 
or um, or drinking, uh, these sort of things, or other other getting the other bad stuff. We used to assume that parents wanted us to tell them, but we were wrong a lot of times. We were wrong. We found out we were often accused of being judgmental. We were accused of being uh, creating a culture of gossip. And uh, I could tell I could tell personal stories. They were very painful stories, often in our lives as leaders. We, we thought we were, we were partnering and we were helping and we wanted to be a part of. We, we were doing what we want, would want you to do for us. We were, we were playing that role. We, like with Susan, we wanted Susan to be that person who would help us, help us with Christy and, and Jay and, and, and correct us if we needed it. And I, 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 could, I could point you to a day when, when a teacher here at BCA, Sherry and I went in for a parent meeting and we got corrected. I mean, we sat there with humility and had to admit we were not correct about some things. So, so we, were, we were surprised. So we're a little more careful now. We're a little more careful about approaching you as a parent. So we need you to, know, we need you to let us know. I'm one of those parents. I want to have a covenant relationship with this church. I want to have a covenant relationship with this church. And I want to partner with this church. And I want the authority of the church. I want to, I want to show my kids what, what it looks like to be under authority. So they will know how to be under my authority. I'm going to show them how to be under. I'm going to show them how to serve and be under the authority of the church. So they have an example in my life. And, but, but we're not going to force it on you. We, we love you no matter what. You know this? We, just, we believe in grace and mercy. And we love you no matter what. If you just want to be a person who just hears the word of God, gets inspired by it, takes it and does what you want with it, that's, that's your prerogative. But if you want to increase the chances that your children will be powerhouses for God, then I would recommend you partner with us. Um, and um, see, it's a principle called spiritual authority. It's not cultic. It's a fundamental principle of spiritual power. It's called the power of agreement. It's what Jesus meant when he said, Matthew 18, 18 19, I, if you if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask for my Father, it will done for, be done for you by my Father in heaven. It's called the power of alignment. It's called the power of alignment. Some of you have been following, those of you who are sports fans, you've been following this drama between Tom Brady's guru, uh, uh, Alex Guerrero. You've been following that, right? And, and, and with the Patriots and everybody thought they were going to have a horrible game. That, how'd that work out last night? <laughs> Because of the, what's happening. But it's, it's known that Alice Guerrero, this personal guru of Tom Brady, and they're creating this thing called the TB12 method, and he's giving all this advice, how you, what you eat and how you exercise. And it's, it's often at odds with what the trainers at the team say. So guess what? Alice Guerrero doesn't get to fly on the plane anymore. He doesn't get to stand on the sidelines anymore because the reason Bill Belichick produces a winning team is because he understands the power of alignment. He understands the power of alignment. Now, when you as a parent, you know, I know and understand this, that if there were some way, if you're, especially if you're a dad, and your son could go play for Bill Belichick, you would be the happiest man in this room and you would tell your son, you go over there and do everything he tells you to do. 
you, you, you do what Be Belichick tells you to do because he knows how to produce a winner. And don't you be telling Belichick you know more than him. Right? You'd do that, wouldn't you? I would. I would if my son was younger and he was pro sports and he got drafted to the Patriots. I said, you go over there and behave. You go over there and shut your mouth and do what they tell you to do. You know? Let me ask you, do you value your kid making millions more than you value them being emotional and spiritual powerhouses for God? Do you want them to be champions for Jesus? Well, God has put the church on the earth to produce what? More church people. <laughs> God's put the church on the earth to produce church people to produce great church people. That's why God put the church on the earth, right? He didn't put the church on the earth to produce athletes. He didn't put the church on the earth to produce dancers. He didn't put the church on the earth to produce singers. He didn't put the church on the earth to produce business people, though all of that's okay, and the church can certainly contribute to all of those disciplines, and the church can help your child be a better this or a better that or the better the other, but God put the church on the earth to produce church people, and I want my kids to be church people. Amen? Because the church is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. It's the only thing that the Bible says Jesus died for. It's the only thing in Scripture that Jesus said he came to build. He didn't come to build a business. He didn't come to build a nation. He didn't come to build a sports team. He didn't come to build anything else but the one thing Jesus came to do. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want my kids to be a part of the winning church of Jesus Christ that's going to usher in the kingdom that will one day bring peace on earth. Amen? I'm just going to mention the last two points. I'm not going to talk about them. Jesus' parents knew when to demonstrate strength. They... The temple leaders didn't replace the parents. They did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Parents, we're not trying to displace you. The opposite. We're trying to exalt you. We're trying to lift you up. We want, we're trying to make you your kid's hero. We want to help you. We want to partner with you in being, you being the most important person in their life. Not me, not Jason, not Susan Pfeffer, or any other leaders in this church. We want you. In fact, you are the most important person in their life. And you will have greater influence over their final decisions, in most cases, 90% of the time, than we ever will, no matter how much we care. Thirdly, Jesus' parents knew when they give him space. They did not understand what he was saying. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Boy, I could tell you many illustrations about this point right here where I tried to impose my vision on my kids, where I tried to make them do the things I wish I would have done. You know, I wished I would have been a more disciplined musician so I tried to impose that on all three of my kids. They eventually got into music, but they didn't come the way I wanted them to come. 
But they found God and they found a relationship with God that was theirs. And if I backslid today, they would kick me out of the church and they wouldn't follow me. I will promise you that. I will promise you. Luke 2.52, and Jesus grew in wisdom. It worked. It worked. If we will do it God's way, there are exceptions. I understand it. There's, there's some of you have kids. You did these things. I, I understand. Sometimes the law of gravity gets removed by a strong wind. But we're talking about percentages here. We're talking about what works more often than not. Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew intellectually. He grew in stature. He grew physically. He grew in favor with God. He grew spiritually. And he grew with, in favor with people. He became more and more likable. And he grew socially. Because Mary and Joseph did it God's way. Now, if God is dealing with you today, mom and dad, let me tell you something. Don't be afraid of repentance. Don't be afraid of it. The world's not going to tell you thinking about repentance, but repentance is a game changer. Repentance is a game changer. Repentance is good inner vision. Clear inner vision. And simply saying, God, I know I've been on the wrong track with my kids. And I want to get on the right track today. I'm going to close in a prayer. We're going to have our congregational meeting in a minute. And all those of you who are members are welcome to stay. But I want to pray for all of you. Don't let the brevity of this closing all impact your thinking about the lack of, a lack of importance in this moment. It's a really important moment. Because I want, I want you to raise champions for Jesus Christ. I want, you're going you're gonna to have ups and downs just like, just like I wanted to show you that today. I wanted to show you that. And Christy's right. It wasn't, it wasn't horrible all the time. We just had our days. We had our moments. But one thing about our family is we, we kind of put it out on, all on the table in my house. We're real. We're real people. And when it hurts, we talk about it. When it's stressed, we talk about it. When it's good, we talk about it. And we let them know the grace of God covers it all. The grace of God covers it all. If you've been around this church for any length of time, one thing you cannot accuse us of and have with any accuracy is that we don't practice grace. We practice grace for you. We receive it for ourselves. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. We're here because of the grace of God. And maybe you're a parent today and you need some grace for your parenting. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for the parents who need special grace today. Grace because they may recognize where they've gotten off track. Grace where they may recognize they haven't prioritized your plan for their kids' lives as much as they prioritize earthly things. Thank you for earthly things. Thank you that you let us do earthly things. Thank you that our life can be about all those type of programs that I mentioned. We can we can enjoy our kid playing soccer. We can enjoy our kid hitting a baseball. We can enjoy them dancing across a stage. We can enjoy their beautiful gifts. And at the same time, 
we can know in our heart that they are aimed toward the cross. They are aimed their life toward and through the cross of Jesus Christ. And the world is going to be better because we brought those kids into the world. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and I hope today's message was inspiring.